0: Well, and that would be the end. And it's the end of this music, too, because it's 6.30 and it's time for Grey Matters. But first, let me read you back what I played for the last hour. Uh, That was Death, a former Detroit band now in Vermont, I think, giving us look at your life from new. Before that little short bit, uh, Os Mutantes gave us Hymns of the World, Part 1, featuring Vladimir Putin from "High or Amortesador. Before that, from our new bin, Downtown Boys gave us Poder Elgir from Full Communism. Before that, the Dirt Bombs gave us Ever Loving Man from We Have You Surrounded. Blackbird McKnight gave us Smoosh from Bout Funkin' Time. Mechalodiacs gave us Hardball Funk from The Mechalodiacs. The Bonzo Dog Band gave us Alibaba's Camel from Ted Poles. Uh, Funkadelic gave us Who Says a Funk Band Can't Play Rock from One Nation Under Groove. Janelle Monáe gave us Many Moons from Metropolis, the Chase Suite. Donna Summer gave us Hot Stuff from Bad Girls. Cy gave us Gangnam Style. A bunch of interns at the NASA Johnson Space Center gave us NASA Johnson Style. And we started out with Giorgio Moroder, 74s, the new 24 from Deja Vu. Let me hit you up with a, 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 a promo, and then we will be ready for Gray Matters. Do you love music? Have you ever dreamed of being a DJ? Or wanted to host your own talk show?
1: Ever wished you had access to a library of tens of thousands of CDs and records?
0: Where am I? You're on the radio You're on the radio WCBN-FM Ann Arbor is your student-run
1: radio station And we're recruiting new volunteers and DJs right now. We hold training sessions every Sunday at 4 p.m. in our studios in the basement of the Student Activities Building. And you can email training at wcbn.org for more information. That's training at
0: wcbn.org. And we'll be seeing you on the radio. On the radio. On the radio. radio. (laughs)
1: Weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And thanks to the marvelous work of Andrew, the Reverend Andrew, who was uh, subbing tonight for Tyler, he was able to pot us up while doing Tyler's show. So, uh, welcome to uh, WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And thanks to Andrew for his spectacular gymnastics involving the studio and Prod B. Anyway, um, it's not art, it's not fair, but it's over. Thank you. Uh, Very interesting week in the news uh, for a summertime week. Uh, Obviously, the big news today was sort of a ceremony celebrating uh, quasi-normalization of relations with Cuba. No need to talk too much about that. I thought Barack Obama last week had one of his uh, best news conferences of his presidency when uh, defending and explaining the Iran deal to the public and to the media. And uh, there was a kind of a moment in the news conference where Obama, who apparently was, had a helicopter waiting, he was uh, headed out of town I seem to recall that he was on his way to Oklahoma and then going to be the first sitting president to visit a prison, which was an interesting event in and of itself, because judicial reform is one of the sort of final policy things that the Obama administration has been working on. But the Iran deal, I think, is a very interesting development because it appeared even last week that they were going to kick the can down the road and nothing was really going to happen. And it's amazing how many uh, senators and no surprise the presidential candidates would come out and denounce the deal before they'd even read the actual details of the deal. Selling a negotiated settlement, and this, by the way, has been a process that, that, that's gone on for years. This is not some Obama deal. This is the, the P5 plus one. This is the Security Council plus Germany organizing this deal, and this includes Russia and China. So uh, the long and the short of it is uh, IAEA inspectors are going to be in Iran to prevent them going forward with a nuclear weapon. And then the other side of it is there's going to be a partial removal of sanctions uh, with so-called snapback provisions. It'll be good for everybody's fuel costs. And a probable result, as you suggest, will be a decline in oil prices. And obviously what Obama did very effectively in his news conference is he sort of went down the main structure of the deal and explained the whole thing to everybody. And he even reached a point where he he said, well, I got a helicopter waiting. Does anybody have any more questions? (laughs) I'm enjoying this. It was almost like he was challenging them, in-your-face kind of confidence that he had in explaining to the American people what was going on. And of course, Benjamin Netanyahu has been fiercely
2: opposed and came all the way over here to make a speech to Congress about why it should be scrapped. Uh, The New York Times over the weekend came out with their piece saying, this deal is actually good for Israel, too. Um, No deal is perfect. Uh, Nobody got exactly everything that they wanted. Uh, But the security guarantees uh, with these IAEA inspections, um, Israel and the McCain crowd just want to go to war with Iran. A preemptive strike is all it'll take, well, to start another world war. And, of course, nobody would like that except for the lunatics. So, So obviously, this will be a major political
1: issue in the upcoming presidential campaign. Um, I haven't heard any of the major Republican candidates support the deal.
2: Um, Most have denounced it. Hillary's record is... uh... Consistently pro-Israel, so it'll be easy for her to defend her track record there.
1: Yeah. And, of course, she even got the ball rolling on this a little bit um, while she was Secretary of State. But this has been... It's long
2: overdue. I
1: I think the tireless work of John Kerry, and this is about nuclear proliferation. Right. This is not about Munich or appeasing Iran or kowtowing to terrorism or having anything to do with these other policies. Uh, These issues are
2: quite separate. And let's face it. uh, Sure, Iran has supported Hezbollah, for example, over the years. Sure, they've given money to uh, groups that uh, behave badly and perform acts of violence. But so has the U.S. government supported uh, death squads in various countries for various own, uh, uh, you know, exclusivist agendas. Uh, so that's not really an issue here. Yeah, and it's and of course the fascinating
1: uh, aspects of what's going on in the ground in the, the so-called ISIL-controlled area of northeastern Syria and northwestern Iraq is part of the possible collaboration between the United States and Iran against ISIL, if that is in the cards. Um, I think there's no question that the proxy wars going on in the Middle East, and there are numerous mm-hmm. wars going on in the Middle East. Uh, the United States, of course, has had a kind of a silly weekend of discussing whether or not John McCain was a war hero or not, <laughs> thanks to the Donald. Uh, we'll give him a brain damage award for being Donald Trump. He's not backing down. Uh, And, of course, it's somewhat irrelevant whether McCain is a, quote, war hero or not. Uh, Donald Trump has his views. But what John McCain definitely is is a warmonger. (laughs) Right. Um, He's a war hawk. And uh, it would be more appropriate to talk about that. Uh, Obviously, John McCain was shot down. Uh, Donald Trump's uh, statement that he was captured um, makes it sound somewhat mysterious as to what really happened. John McCain was in the Air Force. The United States was bombing uh, military targets and civilians in Vietnam and in Indochina. Uh, and, of course, John McCain suffered in a POW camp as a prisoner of war. But it's unclear why. Donald Trump, who continues to uh, <clears throat> demonstrate why he really shouldn't be in this presidential race, keeps putting his foot in his mouth. And uh, it's just uh, an amazing yet another example of Donald Trump. His, his, of course, real conflict with John McCain has been over the immigration issue uh, because McCain has denounced Donald Trump's problems in that arena and yet Donald Trump is still apparently
2: leading the polls. Well, for John McCain's part, of course, the great irony for me is that he is such a warmonger. You'd think that a guy who had experienced what he did, uh, the in- incredible brutality and suffering of uh, being shut down and being in a POW camp in Vietnam. Not much fun in Stalingrad, as the Monty Python boys used to say. Um You'd think he'd know better than to want to send more people into pointless uh, skirmishes to suffer similar fates. Uh, But the shocking thing for me, and maybe it's not so shocking, really, is that Trump's numbers go up when he says these ignorant, hateful things. Yeah. If I'm sort of on the marketing committee for the Republican Party, uh, this is a sinking feeling in my stomach. What's the demographic here? Trump says he hates Mexicans. They're, well, on one side of his mouth he says, I love Mexicans. They're great. But on the other side of his mouth he says, they're rapists, they're drug dealers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he, apparently he owns a piece of the uh, Miss America beauty pageant, and so that's been canceled. NBC's not going to show it. Univision, the Mexican broadcaster, is not going to show it. He's going to sue Univision over their uh, refusal to broadcast his event an old-fashioned dog-and-pony show that does anybody really care about Miss America anymore? Anyway, but uh, yeah, the guy has no credentials to be an elected official, and yet when he says these hateful things, his numbers go up, which to me suggests that he's appealing to the hater contingent of the Republican Party. Well, I hate Mexicans, too. Well, I like Donald Trump now.
1: Well, and it it goes down into this category of telling it like it is. I heard a, a fascinating um, analysis of that phrase uh, by Jeffrey Nunberg, who's a linguistic specialist. Uh, on uh, I think it was a Fresh Air segment that was very interesting about the historical context of this phrase. It eventually became a kind of a well-known uh, R and B song in the '60s. Oh yeah, this, the, tell it like it is. This was originally Aaron uh, Neville. A Aaron Never? Yeah. Oh, of the Neville brothers. Yep. Yeah. Love those guys. Seen them in New Orleans, uh, and boy, the funky meters. If you ever get a chance to see them live, do it. I've seen Aaron a, a couple of times, but uh, yeah, he's sort Got of that sweet voice. Yeah, and he's sort of the. the <laughs> The leader of the yeah. clan, so yeah. to speak, great guy, but um, yeah, fascinating. You know that this is the alleged appeal of uh, Chris Christie. You mm-hmm. know, I'm going to tell it like it is. So, Trump is one of these characters now who who thinks that he can he can somehow win the nomination with this. Uh, it's strategy.
2: basically an assertion that uh, I may be a blowhard, but what I think is right. I mean, that's really what those guys are all about. Well, at least it's gotten them
1: into the into the Fox top 10. Their, their debate <laughs> uh, credentials is you have to be in the top 10. Never mind that polling data, by the way, usually has a plus or minus factor of, you know, three to four points, mm-hmm. sometimes five to seven points. Depends on the sample. Uh, I don't know what you do when uh, one guy is polling at seven and another guy's polling at eight uh, as to who's going to be in the debate or not. But uh, obviously, Trump, at this point, it, 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 he, he's, he sort of boxed himself into the corner of, I can't flip-flop on this now. Uh-huh. I got to stick with what I said because I believe it. Um, and so it's it's almost become amusement but as for John McCain i mean what he really is is an old nag <laughs> i mean he he's just you know um i i respect the fact that he um did suffer as a as a POW that's no joking matter for the record um he survived uh, there were millions of POWs, by the way, in World War II that did not survive. Uh, it's estimated that there were 2 million Russian POWs that the Germans had in Eastern Europe that perished simply due to lack of food, lack mm-hmm. of resources, etc. Cold, you know, the whole cabot and caboodle. Um So, yes, his POW status was connected with the fact that he came from a military family. He was expected to enlist and where he finished in his class at Annapolis that Donald Trump sort of upped the ante on the debate to make the whole thing
2: worse. Um, I think it's fair to say that his survival as a POW is truly heroic. And I, I don't think anybody should question that. Trump is a fool to do so. Yeah. Uh, Trump also sort of sneaks in the opportunity to say, well, I was against the Vietnam War in a more assertive way than other Republicans have taken advantage of the opportunity to do. And I was kind
1: of hoping that the Vietnam War would would disappear (laughs) as as a as a presidential issue. Doesn't look like it's gonna. You would hope (laughs) with some of the younger elements that are in the race that it would have. But obviously it hasn't. I think I saw that Donald Trump is 69. Uh, so he was, uh, <clears throat> as he put it, uh, "I had a college deferment." That was Dick Cheney's excuse. Apparently, he had some bone spurs somewhere on his feet. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. And then when he submitted for the lottery or whatever, he got a low pick. That's what he's. That's what his story is, and he's sticking to it. <laughs> So we'll see. Um, I think that this—I—I I, I just wish this whole thing would go away. This is a a phony issue that the country doesn't really need to be talking about. It should be talking about the environmental issues. The, uh, you know, one one thing that would be really useful to start talking about is what is the future of work in the United States. Yeah. Um. Let's leave aside this whole debate about the shrinking middle class, stagnant wages, uh, whether or not trade deals cause jobs to go abroad or not. I think there needs to be some serious questions about how our society is going to be organized in, in, in the next coming years. You know, are, are, what what is the nature of work? I'm not hearing really futuristic Discussions about real issues. I'm hearing a lot of uh, debates between the old nags and the old hags. <laughs> uh, you know, let's give uh, Scott Walker a brain damage award for, for signing an abortion bill in Wisconsin that is clearly unconstitutional. Um, this is, of course, is pandering to his hope-for constituency in Iowa. It's disgusting. And, of course, to his big money men, who call the shots anyway. And whether he's a real contender or not, we don't know. Uh, He's pretty mediocre, in my opinion. And uh, wait till Donald Trump brings up his college education. (laughs) Wait a minute. He would be the first president in American history not to graduate from college if he were elected. And I mean that's kind of remarkable. Of course, some of the earlier presidents uh, <laughs> probably attended uh, military academies and that that kind of thing. But uh, pretty, uh, there might have been one president in the 19th century that didn't graduate from college. I'm somewhat suspecting that William Henry Harrison <laughs> might be on that list, but yeah. since he was president for two weeks or
2: something. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't bring a sweater to the inauguration. He's, he's the one that got sick. Downfall. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, just the the state of political, you know, discourse in this country is the whole Donald Trump thing is just it's ridiculous. It's it's fodder for the the late night uh, TV comics. It's it's absurd. There's plenty uh, about it that's absurd beyond Donald Trump too, but. Uh, it was uh, CNN or Fox? One of those two, I believe it was CNN. Uh, had a, where they were interviewing a Gene Simmons from Kiss Uh-oh. about <laughs> Donald Trump because, of course, <laughs> Donald uh, Gene Simmons had been on Donald Trump's TV show, so they'd worked. Did, did together Simmons have for the makeup on or no? <laughs> no, no makeup. <laughs> oh, No. But it's like, well, Gene Simmons, what do you think about Donald Trump? It's like, really? Somewhere, Thomas Jefferson just threw up in his own grave. <laughs> <laughs> because now America needs to know what does aging shock rocker Gene Simmons think about Donald Trump. Well, it, what does that mean to anybody? <laughs> what does it matter? And yet, that's what we're being fed. Entertainment. That's what um, Trump, but, unfortunately,
1: uh, is, and it's bad entertainment at that. And it's of course, pretty thin. You know, Scott Walker announced officially last week that he's a candidate for president now. And of course, what does he tell us? The number one problem facing America's future is terrorism. <laughs> oh, I thought it would be unions, given his
2: track record.
1: Uh, and of course, you know, over the week, we had an- another uh, mass shooting uh, involving an individual that didn't, probably shouldn't have been uh, possessing a gun. Uh, we're now being told he was depressed, of course, uh, because of his Islamic background. Uh, <clears throat> I guess they can put this down in in the category that the uh, Southern Poverty uh, Law Center came out with a couple of weeks ago that showed since 2001 uh, there have been 24, a total of 24 deaths related to terrorism, quote-unquote Islamic terrorism, here in the United States. Uh, Of course, that's 24 too many, but their point was that right-wing hate groups had accounted for 48. Uh, Meanwhile, of course, the actual number of homicides caused by guns is,
2: you know, it's staggering. And there's something in the uh, Times today about the shocking number of suicides amongst black female inmates. Oh, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's those are way higher numbers than terror deaths. Many of these women really don't deserve uh, to be there. Yeah. And, and some of them may have been murdered.
1: Um Indeed. You know, it's interesting to note, by the way, I'll just read this item from the 11th of December based on a U.N. study. More people die from homicide than in wars, the U.N. says. Uh, They note that homicide acts of personal violence kill more people than wars and are the third leading cause of death among men aged 15 to 44. The U.N. said Wednesday in a new report around the world, there were about 475,000 homicide deaths in 2012 and about 6 million since 2000 making homicide more a more frequent cause of death than all wars combined in the period, the report says. Uh, the figures are not available for 2013 or 2014. This was a report that came out last winter, so obviously
2: these statistics are still being compiled. And yet terrorism is the greatest threat, according to Scott Walker. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I don't know. Might need some remedial college work. <laughs> I don't know what you what you do about about that. I, I guess we can uh, since uh, the uh, what was the spacecraft, the New Horizons that went to Pluto. Oh right. And of course, the debate about whether it's a dwarf planet or a planet continues. Well, we'll just call Scott War- Walker a
2: dwarf candidate. There you go. <laughs> a mental dwarf. <laughs> Which is what uh, ex-president Richard Nixon once referred to Vice President Dan Quayle as a mental dwarf. Uh,
1: And as for Netanyahu, well, he's still barking about the Iran deal, so we can
2: uh, ignore him for the next, next several weeks. Well, I mean, he's got more pressing concerns at home anyway. His coalition government is is a fiction. It's basically hobbled against itself. The uh, extreme uh, ultra-Orthodox parties that he's relied on uh, to sort of hold the little power grouping together uh, limit him severely. Um, He can do nothing, basically, but just he's a caretaker of a dysfunctional coalition.
1: And I think that it should be observed, by the way, regarding this so-called <clears throat> nuclear proliferation deal, that one of the reasons Israel is probably so strongly opposed to it is that if the, if, the, if the preconditions or the conditions or the components of the deal were applied to Israel, would they agree to such things? Would they agree to IAEA inspections? Um, I don't think so. Um, the nuclear proliferation issue is I, I you know, it's a substantial substantially important issue. And when you hear that uh rejecting this deal would set off possibly some sort of uh nuclear uh competition in the region between Turkey, Saudi Arabia and uh, Iran. I I just I don't I, the arguments against this deal don't make a lot of sense to me, right? Because well, I think Iran is giving up quite a bit to get the removal of some sanctions, with the condition that if they quote unquote cheat unquote, then the sanctions will be returned. Then the argument suddenly, you know, it's it's like the moving goalpost. Then the argument suddenly becomes, oh well, if the sanctions are removed, the Europeans will never impose them again. Well, President Walker, <laughs> dread the thought, has told us that um, he's not going to do business with anybody that that uh, agrees to this uh, this. Uh, these IAE inspections. He's going to reimpose sanctions, and he won't even apparently do deals with, uh, as he put it, the French and the Germans. I'm kind of wondering if uh, he's willing to to shut out the Chinese. Will all of the WalMarts in America have to shut down if Scott Walker becomes president? While he takes a ride on old Ironsides out into the Bay of Boston. <laughs>
2: He's, a, he's an old nag. Well, you know, of course, Netanyahu wants to have it both ways, to enjoy an exclusive nuclear monopoly in the Middle East and also to have the luxury, delusional luxury, of making an arbitrary military strike at uh, whenever they deem it necessary. But I think lost in all of the debate here is the forgotten history uh, behind the... Troubled relations, shall we say, between the U.S. and Iran that are pretty easy to trace. I mean, they go back to the 1953 CIA-sponsored coup that overthrew a popularly elected government uh, because it was attempting to nationalize resources, oil, um, and re-imposition of the Shah. That's where it all goes down to. And most Americans don't know anything about that. well,
1: it's certainly never discussed in the context of the of the problems that Iran and the United States have had since then. And of course it's fascinating that the P five are all nuclear powers. Yeah. Plus Germany. Germany's thrown in for a for, for good measure because of their economic power. Um, you know, troubling news that Japan, for instance, is thinking of suspending Article nine of their mm-hmm. um ...of their constitution, a constitution, by the way, that was written by the United States, essentially, as the occupying power that prevented them from uh, rebuilding militarily. Um, Japan and MacArthur is MacArthur ran Japan like the Pope. Yeah, and Japan has benefited from Article 9. I, I jokingly, of course, brought in the old Ironsides, because I did find this amusing... Uh, item from a couple of years ago when Old Ironsides, uh, the famous warship, had been restored and was going to take a 10-minute cruise in the open seas. Uh, The short trip commemorates the day two centuries ago during the War of 1812 when it bested the British frigate Guerriere in the War of 1812. Uh, It follows a three-year restoration project, and it's the first time that the Constitution— Old Ironsides, has been to sea on its own since uh, its uh, 200th birthday in 1997. Before that, it had not sailed under its own power since
0: 1881.
1: Wow. We're out of time. Uh, Thanks to Andrew for engineering. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling coming up next right here on WCBN FM and Arbor. Winston Holmes and Charlie Turner in the background doing the Kansas City dog walk, telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack, your host this evening for an hour long excursion into the